Do you know what true greatness is, Lisa? Someone who is truly great celebrates in silence. He doesn't hold up his trophy to the world. Do you understand that? True greatness is completing a task that others have found impossible. I am going to do something that many have tried, none have ever achieved, and that only a handful will ever even know about. I'm going to destroy Duncan McLeod. This is the moment. This is the time. This is. Can we just get back to all right? The Highlander Rewatch Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to your favorite weekly Highlander podcast. I'm one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. And welcome to this week's episode. Before we get started uh, this week, we had uh, some big thank yous. We wanted to thank. <laughs> We wanted to thank uh, some of the amazing uh, fans and listeners that have contributed to our GoFundMe page. Um, If you're interested in contributing to it, uh, we are raising funds to kind of fund our trip to the Highlander 30th anniversary gathering uh, this December in Lakeland, Florida. Uh, We have a booth there. We're going to be doing some live podcasting. If you haven't seen already, we actually have a really exciting show uh, with F. Braun McGash and Anthony DeLongis um, that we're going to be doing a roundtable discussion with them. Sword Maesters. Yep, the Sword Maesters themselves. Uh, (laughs) So that's going to be a a lot of fun. Um, And we're looking to kind of bring you as much content from the convention as we can uh so anything you could give uh, would really be appreciated um so we want to thank first uh vincent s uh he gave us 20 dollars and he said wish i could go but hope this helps you guys trip your guys trip i'm not able to read reading sucks <laughs> so our first donation was from vince s he gave us 20 dollars, and thank he you. said have a good time he did not <laughs> say that stop whatever i'm doing we're going to get into a groove very soon, <laughs> guys, I promise. Yeah, you think so? There's a groove in the, in the, the not-so-distant future? Thank you very much, Vince. Thank you very much, Vince. <laughs> Thank you, Vince, for $20. Uh, also, Matthew W. gave us 100 bucks, Whoa, 100 shit. clams. That's pretty epic. It is. And he didn't leave us a message or anything. Aww. It's like He's like, I don't need to leave you anything. He's like, just take my money. <laughs> money speaks volumes. Exactly. Hmm. Money talks. That's Bullshit <laughs> walks. Right, Matt? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Louder than clams. <laughs> uh, and then finally, we want to uh, thank Andrew K. Um, who gave us... A- Andrew WK? Yep. <laughs> Andrew gave us $200. Whoa. That's like crazy epic. Yeah, your generosity is the stuff of legends. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, he wrote to us, you're not taking Eamon, are you? I mean, that would save you some money right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. I'm going to be remotely podcasting. We're actually going to bring Bert Lambert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eamon, you can stay home, but Bert Lambert is coming. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, Andrew, thank you, like, an insane amount. That's, like, a lot of money. 
uh, to give, and we really appreciate it. And Andrew, you're always like very uh, vocal on Twitter, which is great. One of your early tweets to us was a picture of you in a hospital bed. Do you guys remember? Oh, right. Yeah. And, and he had like a gash across. He's like, oh, I'm doing my best Kurgan impression. And I open up the <laughs> tweet and there's like a hole in his neck. And I was like, Jesus Christ, are you okay, man? Uh, I don't exactly know what happened. Some sort of accident. But Glad you're well. Yep. We are glad you're well. Well enough to send us those bucks. You're the hero we deserve. Absolutely. And the one we need right now. So yes. uh, thank you to all our, uh, I guess, sponsors, you'd say. And we'll have something uh, special for you coming your way uh, when the, uh, the GoFundMe campaign kind of wraps up. We'll send you guys all a little special thank you from us, from the bottom of our hearts. Mine's actually going to be from the top of my heart. I don't, I don't <laughs> dig that deep in my skim, heart. Skim it from the top. The top yeah, just, <laughs> it's whatever muck is the, up there. Yeah, take the pond scum from the top of my heart and <laughs> give it on. Heart scum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you all. Yes. Appreciate yes. it. You are wonderful. So we have a lot of exciting stuff planned for this episode. Uh, we're going to be giving you, of course, our classic IMDb descriptions. Uh, and we'll be doing an in-depth uh, review of the episode Counterfeit Part 1. We're going to be talking more about our Crossing Swords roundtable discussion with F. Brom McAsh and Anthony DeLongis. And we're going to have an amazing look at the Highlander catalog, play a great Highlander-themed game, and go behind the scenes with executive producer Bill Panzer. Panzer Dragoon. There we go. So let's get into... Wow, I haven't thought of that for a long time. <laughs> it's a classic Sega game series? or uh, Yeah. Mm. I mean, classic is overselling it a little bit. Mm. It's kind of like an on-rails shooter with dragons. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sega. <laughs> Bringing it back. Yeah. So... This week's episode is Counterfeit Part One, and this is exciting. This is the these are the last two episodes of the second season. We've made we did it. it. We're almost there, guys. Yeah, it's been. I can't believe we're only in the second season. Honestly, I, me neither. That's and you know what that crazy. means? Crazy that the third season's coming. Oh, oh and, and that means that Highlander Two is coming. Ooh. That also means though that we're gonna need to get people's proposed suggestions for redoing the Highlander original motion picture. That's gonna be very exciting. That's right. 200 are, words or less. So it's 500. 500. 500 words. words. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we are uh, hosting a competition for you to submit your pitch for what a new Highlander reboot would be like. Uh, and it's due at the end of our second season, and it's 500 words. Uh, and just treat it like it's a pitch to a studio. So let us know kind of your plot synopsis. And we're going to be reading them on air, and we're going to be doing our own as well. And we're going to choose the best reboot suggestion, and they're going to get kind of a cool prize pack from us. That's going to include some of Eamon's awesome art, uh, a new uh, DVD release of the 30th anniversary edition of Highlander, and maybe some other stuff. It's going to be yeah, exciting. Yeah. So send those submissions to HighlanderRewatched at gmail.com, and take a look at our Facebook page for details. It's going to be great. And we won't pick our own as the winner. Unless all of the other submissions are terrible. <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> but seriously, bring your A game. This is no joke. All right. Counterfeit Part 1 originally aired May 16th, 1994. Uh, it was directed by Paolo Barsman. Uh, we just saw him recently. He did Legacy uh, with Amanda. A very good one. A very good episode. And uh, this season, he also did like The Darkness, on which we bid a fond farewell to Tess. But she's oh. back. Mm. Spoiler. Yes, special <laughs> guest star. Uh, this episode was written by David Tynan, although he only wrote the story uh, for this episode. Uh, he did not actually write the screenplay. He did the screenplay for the next one, part two. Ah. And I don't know if we've we've mentioned this before, but like David Tynan did pass away fairly recently. Uh, I guess he died maybe a couple years ago at like 62. He was pretty young, uh, but he had penned like 
many, many television shows, uh, ranging from like Flash Gordon, Poltergeist, uh, obviously tons of episodes of Highlander. Anyway, that's David Tynan, voice of Highlander. This episode, though, the actual teleplay was written by Brad Wright. Mm. Uh, and you might recognize that name because he's the guy who created Stargate SG-1. Oh, wow. Oh, awesome. Yeah, right? Like, yeah. So, yeah, the entire kind of Stargate TV universe, which is pretty cool, uh, this guy is responsible for it. So, And I think this is his only Highlander episode. Wow. It was on to bigger and better things, right in Stargate on Showtime. Was it on Showtime? It started on Showtime, and then it kind of traveled around. Because there's like a weird like nudity and stuff like that in the first episode. Oh, yeah. And then like it very quickly vanishes. <laughs> Oh, I might have to check out Stargate SG-1. Right. Mostly just because you like Richard one. Dean Anderson. That's right. Is he the one that's naked? Yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's straight alien brain. Um, he puts his wiener through the Stargate. <laughs> uh, this episode guest stars Martin Cummings as Pete Wilder. Uh, he's done a bunch of TV and stuff. Peter Hudson, he's back as Horton. Yeah. Um, and so I just wanted to give, like, flesh out, uh, I guess, Peter Hudson's, you know, bio a little bit mm-hmm. here we don't usually talk about him too much uh his this is from his imdb bio he grew up in africa the middle east and south america peter was educated at the universities of exeter and east anglia in england became a teacher of literature and french before becoming an actor now based in france he has filmed extensively worldwide in turkey israel canada the ivory coast and more he writes directs and keeps bees <laughs> wow Wait, he's a beekeeper apparently so this guy's like pretty epic. I mean, like he's like a highly yeah, educated. Like most yeah, like most yeah. beekeepers. Sherlock Holmes yeah. retired to be a beekeeper. That's right. What? Yeah. Didn't you see Ian McKellen's movie? What's it, it called? Mister Holmes, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in Sherlock Holmes, yeah, he's a beekeeper in his old age. Anyway, that's pretty cool. I don't know. <laughs> Peter yeah. Hudson's the man. He like grew up all over the world and like is a smart dude. And uh, but yeah, he's he's still acting, but mostly in like French productions. It seems. Ah, we oui, be. Oui. This also stars Peter Rutherford as Denny Ponance. It's his last IMDb credit. Sadly, oh. he died at fifty eight. Oh bummer. <laughs> That's my note on that. Mm. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Milani Paul as Lisa Hale. Um, she's not done much, but she is the wife of Adrian Paul. Oh wow! Yeah, That's something. That? Interesting. Mm-hmm. I also watched the credits to see if they had, uh, how am I forgetting her name? Vandernut. Yeah. I was like, is her name in the opening credits, or would that be a spoiler? I don't think it is. It is isn't. It? No. Mm. Mm. So that's pretty that's smart. smart of yeah. them. Yeah. Right. Smart, 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 smart. <laughs> uh, and now, of course, for the IMDb episode description. It's, oh, it's a good one. Not as good as the next one, but this one's good. <laughs> Horton, an old mortal enemy, puts a criminal through plastic surgery to make her look like Tessa. That's it. <laughs> that's it. And also, like, is kind of not the full plot of this episode. Like, that's, like, going on in the background of this yeah. episode. This episode's more about Pete. Yeah. yeah. Pompadour Who's Pete. not mentioned at all. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> a great point. <laughs> Let's do it, guys. Let's do it. Episode 21, Counterfeit, Part 1, The Counterfeiting. Yeah, The Counterfeiting. <laughs> uh, so the episode opens in front of, like, one of those paper screens and, like, a very very japanese looking setting for, it's awesome yeah, yeah for some reason i don't understand why the setting is there but it's a great setting i They're liked like it a lot one of the, like, yeah. the knee-high tables mm-hmm. and like it's great yeah and you see a man in a canadian tuxedo receiving ten thousand dollars from horton that's right, right. 
And a burn. Yeah, a sick, sick burn. burn. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was glad they didn't hide Horton in this episode. Yeah. Like, yeah. they just, right off the bat, I yep. guess it's because they reveal him in, was it, Unholy Lines Part 2 at the very end. Like, they show he's alive. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's, a, there's a growl, and it goes yeah. up to his eyeball. Yeah. So I'm glad they didn't try to, like, hide him again, because that's, yeah. like, that we've seen that silly. before, and yeah. it's like, let's just get, get yeah. to the plot, please. But then you're like, oh, this is going to be good. Horton's back in play. Yep. Does anyone else think, I mean, this will get more fleshed out as the episode goes on. But we come to learn that this tuxedo, Canadian tuxedo man's name is Pete. He's asking for $10,000 to do this job, and he is aggressively underpaid. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, like, because the very first thing they had to do is they burn, burn his him. wrist yeah. with, like, a flaming hot poker. And, they don't, and that's the first thing he has yeah. to do. And they don't tell him, like, they're Even doing this. Right? Consider it the first bit <laughs> of earning your pay. Yeah. It's like, ugh. <laughs> like, they just continue to beat him, like, every, like, meeting. <laughs> Yeah, this is another thing. We know from the very beginning that this guy, Pete, is a bad guy. If you couldn't tell from his pompadour and his his mean denim jacket, yeah. he's, a, he's a tough. Right. Yeah. Hey, Rewatchers! If you want more exclusive Highlander content, make sure you follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and stay tuned to get the up-to-date GIFs, clips, videos and other exclusive tidbits not to mention some original artwork and head on over to itunes or stitcher and leave us a five-star review those reviews really help get our podcast in front of more people so that's one of the best ways you can help contribute to our podcast and if you want to contribute in a more monetary way uh, head on over to gofundme.com slash rewatchers and you can contribute to our gofundme campaign to go to the lakeland florida highlander convention uh, we're about halfway to meeting our goal and we can't wait to bring you content from the floor uh so in our next scene we're at the carnival yeah and i laughed out loud yeah the classic carnival music is playing again yep it's 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 there's a lot of music going on right now too because it's layered over the bridge (laughs) from princes in the universe and it sounds insane this whole like carnival scene has every song that's like been used <laughs> in highlander like there's a scene where he's like walking through the carnival escaping some goons which i guess we'll talk about in a minute but they like layer in like that weird rock song where max like driving around <laughs> right. like looking for somebody and there are all those homeless people i forget what episode it is <laughs> yeah, that was but, a like, chris Ainsgout. was that his yeah or what's his yeah like they play that song they play like all these songs that they've used, and it's really weird. It reminded me of a Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> it reminded me from Kill Bill when, like, the bride's, like, in the club walking around and you can hear the music going in and out. Not done that well. But. <laughs> Did, you know what it reminded me of? When Data listens to four tracks of classical music at once <laughs> in Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, that's what it reminded me of. It's yeah. quite the cacophony. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's completely nuts. Richie's, but, like, shooting. He's doing he, target practice. He's playing with a BB gun. I can't believe I'm at the circus. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> apparently that first circus experience made a real impression on Richie because yeah. yeah. he's back. Alone. Uh, he's alone. at a carnival circus by himself playing winning, carnival games, winning bears. Winning teddy bears. And he has a pile of bears. <laughs> right. He's apparently yeah. crushing it at this carnival yeah. game. I, I have, I'd like to mention there's a weird interaction. Well, Pete walks up to him. Pete's behind him already. Right. Like he's playing. And they're like looking at each other. Yeah. They're they're flirting. Yes. (laughs) Right. So then Richie wins a bear uh, and he goes to give it to Pete. 
Yeah. And then Pete says, like, it's not my type or not my type or something like that. And at first I was like, oh, he means like he doesn't like that particular bear. And again, <laughs> remember that all this music is playing in the background. And right at the moment, Pete says, it's not my type. The chorus of Prince's Universe goes, bring on the girls. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is we- this kind of adds a weird meaning to this scene. Oh, Probably so very unintentionally, yeah. but it's weird. So this guy's not into bears. He likes... Yeah. But we will see their romance. <laughs> he likes twinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, not a bearman. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Layers. They're layers they are layers. layers. Thing. Uh, but we will see their bromance blossom through yeah, this episode. Like, literally come to full bloom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the bald guy comes in and yeah, this, shoots, and Richie... Bears, this white supremacist Yeah. <laughs> Richie sees a watcher tattoo on his wrist and gets suspicious. And then a very ugly dude like flanks him on the other side. Yeah, so the dude's face looks like the aggro crag. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like he's now being flanked by these two kind of mean-looking gentlemen. So Richie kind of starts just walking away calmly, like yeah. he's trying to you know evade them. Right. Uh, he finds his bike's tires have been slashed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then he ends up like taking off across like the bumper car. Yeah. Court. What did yeah. you call? I it? thought he was just going to ride the bumper cars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bumper cars. The watchers get like, in another one and like chase him. Like, hey, this is a great plot of a Scooby Doo episode, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, so uh. they start shooting at him. Like they're chasing him down the street. Yeah. These goons. There's like a bunch of well, them now. Well, they don't start shooting at him yet. They, right. Like they're chasing after him, and then Richie at first tries going into this church, which, which is locked. I don't know why g- he wants to go to this church. That's a bad idea. Like yeah. that's how they got Darius. The Darius. The Darius. But then Pompadour Pete rolls up on his motorcycle and like just kind of nudges them all over. Yeah. Somehow he just like comes up and like kicks his leg out, and they're like, ah. And it's after that. After Richie hops on his bike, that they start shooting, and Pete gets winged. Yep, in, in the wing. Peter Wingfield. Buh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So after the scene, we are on the barge mm-hmm. with Mac, and he, Mac is like mending Pete's arm because this will be called into question later. It is a very real wound. This is not like a fake wound. Yeah, he says like it's just a whatever. I don't know what. He yeah, says. I forget what that word was. Yeah, not a flesh wound, but yeah. he calls it something, something. like that. Yeah. yeah. Then he, but Mac notices the scar that Pete was given, which is like on his wrist where a watcher tattoo might be. Mac immediately notices. Also, now they are both wearing Canadian tuxedos. Yes. Yeah. It's, this is like one of the most denim heavy scene the show has ever had. So Richie is smitten with Pete. He's like, this guy was awesome. Like you should yeah. have seen his moves. But Mac is not trusting of him. I just want to play this clip. Uh, I love Richie's response to maybe it's a burn because the way he delivers this line is incredible. He's got a scar on himself. Like he had a tattoo removed. And not very long ago. Well. Maybe he's got a a burn or something. <laughs> it's such build up to that line for so, for so little. Like, <laughs> this episode running short, and someone's saying they're like stretch, stretch. Maybe it out. it's a burn or something. <laughs> uh, but like good. Mac, like signals Richie to go like talk. He's like, "Why don't you rest, Pete? And we're gonna go talk about something." And Richie's like, "Oh, he saved my life." And Mac's like, "Why?" 
<laughs> right. Like, who would save your life? <laughs> yeah, gross. Like, maybe he's like a good bystander. I don't know. Like, yeah. Is it that crazy that somebody would help somebody else out? It's what Mac does yeah. every episode. I, so they Richie, just, uh, Richie does that all the time, too. Yeah. So, like, That's like his MO. That's like the only way Richie gets laid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they decide to investigate. So they head back to the carnival. That's right. And so the uh, the white supremacist guy appears again. Yeah. Oh well, first so Richie. We have Richie's... no reason to think this man is a white supremacist. <laughs> yeah. To be clear, he's like a mortal supremacist, though. That's mm. true. Mm. So first, Richie's going to play like the test your strength game. What this, the hell is this, this game? Is... I want to play whatever this game is because it's yeah. insane. It has like a weird like weight on a rail or something. It's like test your strength air hockey edition. Yeah, <laughs> like not thing? a vertical test your strength, like a horizontal one. Is that yeah. how they do it in France? I don't know. I don't know either. These are the differences that separate us, guys. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Richie sees the bald guy, and he, like, takes this weight and is going to, like, bash his head. Yeah. Yeah, Richie's going to, like, murder the guy. guy. Yeah. <laughs> Mac steps in. is like, oh, look, do you have any tattoos? And the guy's like, yes. And he just has, like, this amorphous blob of a tattoo yeah, on this, his wrist. Yeah, this I didn't get. Because they showed the full Watcher tattoo earlier. Right. So I'm like, what happened? That was fake. Oh, that was fake. Yeah, and like, this one's had- also fake. But oh right, Both the fake. entire thing is to get them questioning each other, mm, and, and mess with their heads a little bit. So I was wondering. So are these guys like carnies? Is that the deal? Maybe. Maybe they're just big fans of the carnival. Yeah, because I mean they're there a lot. It seems. Also, why is this? Why is any of this episode at a carnival? Like, they go back to this carnival like a, like lot. a lot, six times. Well, they only had yeah, three, they only had three locations for this entire thing: a carnival, the barge, and a car dealership. Yeah, right? the, uh, oh, the car dealership. They are there way too much for no good reason. Yeah, we're gonna have a lot to say about that soon. But, yeah, it's terrific. So Mac plays this thing real cool, uh, which is uh, surprising. Maybe I don't know. Like again, I don't know why he doesn't trust Richie about what's going on. Yeah, he's suspicious. Suspicious. Yeah. I guess maybe he just doesn't want to start some shit before he finds out more info. Because yeah. he's like, oh, he's like, sorry for the misunderstanding. And they just kind of like, let's get out of here. Also, they excessively use the word fruitcake around oh, yeah. describing this guy. So yeah. they leave the carnival and they're like, I don't think this fruitcake feels like talking. And they use that phrase like six times. Yep. And it's yeah. like, this does not hold up well in the... 21st century but you know bears on his type so what can you do <laughs> the way duncan says possibility <laughs> in this <laughs> argument made me laugh yeah uh i still don't entirely know why mac is so distrustful yet because i mean like up until this point we know hunters are after immortals mm-hmm. richie said there was a watcher there and they chased him then there was like a guy that saved richie's life and actually got shot like mac like patched up his wound i don't know like I guess it's it's just based on this burn on his wrist that he thinks it's all a setup. Yeah, I guess maybe. It's I think Mac. I just think Max's distrust is very strong, very early. I think. Yeah, like I think I wish he would just be more kind of like suspicious of everything right now instead of just like this is all crazy. Then we go to prison, and there's a real nasty woman. Yeah, yeah real nasty. <laughs> 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 Sorry, guys. Uh, yes, uh, that's good. <laughs> That's very good. My note here just says, oh, a girl. I bet she's in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, she, I guess, is not being released, but being transported transported for some reason. Yeah. Uh, In some cut dialogue, we find out that she's in prison because she she, murdered someone. She murdered all her ex-husbands or whatever. Like That seems to be her MO is Mm. to. She's a black widow. Yep. In the Avengers. (laughs) So we're in the prison transport, and it's 
Very weird. Also, how do they have her chained up? She's like yeah. the entire bus to herself. Yeah, she's in the back, and like her arms are like chained to like the ceiling of the van or whatever. Yeah, that doesn't seem necessary at all. Yeah, it's that really seems like kind of cruel, actually. Her voice is like dubbed, like really obviously. It just sounds really weird. I thought, especially when they're like, well, anyway, they drive across a car that's like on fire. But, like, when they drive by the car, she's like, let it burn. I got to go to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) And she's, like, also trying to, like, sexually entice these drivers, right? Yeah. Like, she's, like, making cat sound. Yeah. She's, like, purring. It's weird. Very weird. (laughs) It's all very weird. And then, like, this guy comes up. I love the prison guard's response to this guy coming up, like, Oh, there was an accident. He just very casually hands him a fire extinguisher. <laughs> it's like so nonchalant. He's like, oh, well, here you go. Sorry if, to hear if your wife is in there, but enjoy this. <laughs> so but they- of course, he predictably gets wasted by, by these watcher goons. Uh, so they break her out. Mm-hmm. They put her in the car. And who's in the car? Pete. It's Pompadour Pete. Pete. And he is and he aggressive. out. He yeah. like jams a gun in her face. You want to live? Then be quiet. <laughs> Like whoa! As they're as they're kidnapping her from the van, she says at some point, "All right, you've made your point." (laughs) (laughs) Like what a thing to say as you're being like forcibly shoved into a car. Like you made your point about kidnapping. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we get Matt moping and Matt Mac mope. Shit, we're Mac moping in front of a fire on the barge. And it's been a day, apparently, and Pete is nowhere to be found, because I guess he's pulling this prison heist. And he shows up on his hog, or motorcycle. Calling that a hog is a bit generous. Yeah, (laughs) his dirt bike. (laughs) Uh, So he says the reason he wasn't around was he saw someone snooping outside the barge. Yeah. And followed them back to the carnival, and he was like, (sighs) guys, you gotta check this out. So they all go back. To the 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 carnival carnival. again. (laughs) The carnival of broken dreams. Yeah, so he takes them to a trailer... Uh, I guess Mac knocks and then just goes in because that's what Mac does. I wanted to talk about the transition here for a second because this is something they do on TV shows and movies a lot, and it really bugs me. Like, as they're leaving the barge, Pete starts talking, telling his life story. And he's like, you know, I lived in all sorts of different places. Oh, I like that reference, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then they're just... Cut to the carnival? Yeah. Did and they they pause the the conversation? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, like, cut to the carnival, but he's it's like... The very next sentence. I'm like, <laughs> doing mid-sentence. do you just stop talking? <laughs> actually, the carnival is around the barge. The barge is actually one of the bumper boats. Yeah. <laughs> and the, bumper like, barge. <laughs> bumper barge. That's just like a thing that movies and TV shows do a lot that right. just bugs the crap out of me. Mm. That was jarring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they, they like go into a trailer at this circus or carnival. Is this the same carnival in Lady and the Tiger? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, that's a circus, man. Oh, uh, but I, I think do circus, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's the same one. Well, they go like they go in a trailer in that one too. So. Yeah. But anyway, they go in a trailer and they find all this like creepy stalker pictures of Mac and a gun. Yep. Uh, so Mac is still really distrustful because he's like, "This is all too convenient," and mm-hmm. Richie's like, "Why don't you just trust him? He's trying to help." So then we get a flashback. The transitions, I guess, kind of cool. He picks up like a pellet gun, and then it transitions it's, into that was very unusual. I was like, "Why is there this gun in here? Why is Matt <laughs> yeah. touching it?" Yeah, yeah, his uh, fingerprints so, are all over it. Uh, we flash back to 1730. 
uh, in England, and Mac is shooting at some stock footage of a bear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And uh, then he gets accosted by, I guess, the sheriff or the whatever. Yeah, I guess it's the sheriff. No poaching on the king's land. Mm. But Mac is like, the people need to eat. So they have an argument about taxes and blah, blah, blah. This is actually a very funny, quirky scene. It is actually very funny. It's also another one of those things. It's like, Mac, you rascal. And it's like, yeah, yeah poaching is illegal and probably a capital offense. So stop it. Yeah. But what are the rules about poaching? This is, <laughs> it's the king's fucking land. You so can't, you, can't, you can't kill his deer and whatnot. Right. This is a very Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves esque scenario mm. music so. by michael Kamen. oh really yeah wow mm. highlander score yeah very but good this scene is very funny <laughs> so <Yeah>. like <laughs> matt gets ambushed by the sheriff's goons he gets like bopped on the back of the head and passes out and when he comes to they're like sharpening an axe to behead him and he's like wait i thought the penalty was hanging why don't you hang me yeah, <laughs> hang me. <laughs> yeah this is all pretty pretty good everyone does a good job the music's really great in this too the music like, is really good yeah. i was like whoa Let's have more of this and less of this other stuff. Right. <laughs> no, actually, the, this, the entire rest of the show is just going to be that carnival score. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Mac gets saved by the immortal Charles Browning of York. Charlie Brown. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he gets saved by Charlie uh, <laughs> That's good. And so, this guy just starts taking out everybody. Well, he, like, shoots one of them, and then Mac beats up the rest, right? right? Yeah. yeah. This guy is, like, this giant, affable, giant man. Wearing an orange shag carpet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they become fast friends. They are at a tavern later. They are getting really drunk. Oh, they're yeah. getting good and wasted. And mm -hmm. yelling at waitresses. <laughs> a lot of use of the word wench. Wench, right? <laughs> yeah. Lots of... More wine, wench! Yeah. And then they have this very sinister interaction where he's like, well, surely your life is worth more than a jug of wine. It's worth two jugs of wine. <laughs> <laughs> but there's like a sinister edge to it. But this yep. is all still like really good. Like I like seeing the like fun Mac. Yeah. yeah. This old Yeah, drunk Mac and like kind of goofy, silly Mac. It's good. Yeah. I mean, well, Charlie Brown brings that out of him. Yep. <laughs> so say we all. Also, just to bring this bear theme keeps coming back. Richie Ryan. Oh, yeah. Bear. Bears aren't his type. Then he shoots a bear to feed all these people. And then the guy's like, oh, you're a bear. And he's like, Max, like, are you talking about me? Yeah. That's wow. Lots of bears. A lot of bears. All bears. I'm liking this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so later at the same tavern, uh, like everybody is passed out. Yeah. It would seem. So Max Mac. Sleeping on a table. <laughs> right. And then suddenly a sword comes into view and it is Charlie Brown. It's like it was like a trick to get Max quickening. Uh, I have no friends. Yeah. <laughs> he <yells. laughs> uh, so he's about to kill Mac and he says at some point he's like, I don't want to waste the quickening. Uh, so let's just. Yeah, I was confused about that. OK, so we kind of haven't seen this in the show before or have we? So in the episode, The Sea Witch, was it Alexi gets killed not by Mac, but by like a boat propeller. Right. But Mac receives his quickening. Yeah, but like sort of by Mac. Kind of, right. But it's like not by his, well, it's kind of by his hand, I guess. But right. this guy's implying that like these mortals will have killed you. But like he was like in buzz, buzz proximity. Yeah. And I guess he wouldn't have gotten it. I don't know. This this seems like the writers haven't quite figured out what they wanted. Or this is just shorthand for, you know, we need to get to this part of the plot. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe he just wanted to be sure he got Mac's quickening. Yeah. It's weird, though. But I guess we can count this as one on the uh, the quickening count for Mac. We don't see the end of the fight, but I'm yeah. going to assume that Mac wins. Yeah. Yeah. He survives, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I like this flashback in general. I think it's good because it does like inform the character's motivation in the present. 
Right. Which is because sometimes these flashbacks are just kind of like, like they're just kind of mood. Like this is like Matt got in a situation where he trusted somebody he shouldn't have trusted before. Because they saved his life and used that as leverage. Right. So this is pretty good. It is good. It's very good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And also this guy was a lot of fun. This is like big giant Charlie Brown man. He like really is like a bad dude when he <laughs> when he flips the switch. Oh yeah. Like he's pretty scary. He's <laughs> like, I have no friend. <laughs> so he really is like Charlie Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Oh he hell. Some I serious hate depression him. and yeah. existential <laughs> problems. <laughs> Good grief. So back in the present. Pompadour Pete wants to hang around and help, and Mac wants him to like leave Paris for his health. And he's like, I'll be at the hostel. Like, if you need my help great if you don't that's fine and my note was just we don't see it yeah. <laughs> like, why do they need his help like right. I, can, I can understand that maybe mac does or does not trust him but why are they affirmatively going to him for assistance yeah like what true. on what planet are they like oh you know who could really come to the fore on this fucking pete <laughs> <laughs> so back in the present uh mac i guess has done some investigating and found out that pete is not looking for his father as he claimed to be he's a crook he's a crook he's he robs liquor stores yeah and he's on the run and matt got a police report somehow somehow right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so then we're in an operating room which is in like a giant cavern like a black room and I, my note just says deadly medicine part two yep yeah so this woman is laying on the table we find out her, later her name is lisa and the surgeon he's like this is so crazy he's, he's like pawing at her yeah. like and he's like, oh, the change is possible. He's like, we can change the eye color, the skin tone. And then he goes, and these. And he points to her big old boobs. Boy. <laughs> he's like, we'll have to change these, too. It's ridiculous. He says, the skin color, eyes, and nose will need work, and so will these. <laughs> and he points at her boobs. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> but she's a, uh, this is revealed that she's a convicted murderer. And Horton still is not revealing his plot. He's right. like, in good time, I yes. will tell you what's up. In mm. good time. Horton promised her dollars, a new face, and freedom. So, Richie Ryan is visiting Pete, mm -hmm. working on the bromance. Yeah. Uh, and I guess he's kind of confronting Pete about Lying. these, these yeah. lies and stuff. And Pete's like, oh, I didn't want to make you, like, an accessory if you knew about it, this and that. Uh, yeah. And he says he also got the burn from his bike manifold. Yeah. Yeah, he was, like, changing a tire while the engine was hot. Right. And tapped it and uh, got so, a nasty burn. That's kind of how... Pete smooths over all this stuff with Richie. Yeah, but Richie's still like, you're a robber and a parole jumper? Perfect. I was yeah. worried you were a watcher. <laughs> well, I think they I think they intentionally made a character. Pete feels like Richie. Like, right, because yeah. Richie is a burglar. Right. I mean, they ride the same sort of dirt bike. <laughs> like, yeah. Richie's got a red one. He's got a blue one. Mm -hmm. They're Team both both totally rude dudes with daddy <laughs> issues. And they both enjoy a beer. They're drinking beers. <laughs> like bros do. Yeah, you know, like dudes. <laughs> okay. Meanwhile, Mac is investigating the scene of the crime. This is a weird scene. This yep. is highly unusual. Yeah. So the scene opens with Mac outside of a church, mm -hmm. and he picks up a handful of stuff off the ground. And I was like, what is that? Looks like just rocks, and then he throws them down. It's the bullet casings, right? Yeah. It's like, did no, no one called the cops about this, apparently. Apparently not. Yeah. They're shooting, even though, as we're about to find out, a priest fucking witnessed it. <laughs> I don't get this priest thing <laughs> at all. Matt comes in and starts questioning him. He's like, oh, did the bell ring yesterday or whatever? I yeah, because I guess the implication is this guy rings the bell, so he's up in the church, like the tower, so he can see what's going on. Yeah. And so 
Father Andre says he did see something unusual. People shooting at each other. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, like, acting all suspicious. Is he, like, afraid? I don't know. In the script, there's a cut bit of dialogue mm. where Mac is like, why didn't you tell the police? And the father basically is like, eh, it's not really my world, not my concern. And it's like, what? That's, <laughs> like, that is, like, categorically different than, like, someone coming in for confession. Yeah. And you being like... Oh, there was a crime outside the door. Like, I'm, you're allowed to report this. Yeah, there's, there's a attempted murder that just went on, just so you know. <laughs> but this guy's got all sorts of details. Uh, he talks about the shooting, and he also says the other unusual thing is there's a silver Aston Martin parked around, the, like, in the alley. And he knows every detail about this. Why? Because he has a collection of micro micro-machines, yeah. <laughs> like, on the ground, like, in the churches, like, right, like, right there. Yeah. He's got a little shrine of old-timey cars. In the basement, he's got his collection of pow, pow, power wheels. <laughs> <laughs> he's got his little 1966 Aston Martin that he can ride around in. Yeah, this is bonkers. This Aston Martin thing... Did we see that, the Aston Martin? I don't remember notice, like that being a thing that was in the shot. Yeah. It might have been, but it would have been like a small detail. Yeah. But yeah. this guy notices, so now we know. And he said it still had dealer plates. That's right. the, I guess, important bit. Aston Martin DB6. Is that the car James Bond drove? I think so. It's an Aston Martin something. I'm not a car expert. What's the car that Connor drives in the movie? We thought it was an Aston Martin, but it isn't. Oh, it isn't. That's yeah. right. But it's yeah. like a silver old yeah. car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But right. like, what's the, the the kind of car that has like missiles in the front of it and like <laughs> yeah. ejector seats? Which one is that? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Bit uh, over. <laughs> Hey, Rewatchers, have you purchased your tickets for the December 3rd and 4th 30th anniversary gathering in Lakeland, Florida? That's right. It is the 30th anniversary of the original Highlander movie, and we're going to be celebrating in style. That's right. The Rewatchers are going to be in Lakeland, Florida, podcasting live, and we're going to be meeting with a lot of the guests of the show. Uh, Adrian Paul's going to be there, Elizabeth Grayson, John Mosby, Efron McAsh, and Anthony DeLongis. Uh, it's going to be a really great time. We can't wait to go, and we hope to see a lot of you there so if you haven't purchased your tickets already uh make sure to head over to the website and grab either a day pass a weekend pass make a whole awesome family vacation out of the 30th anniversary highlander gathering we can't wait to see you there so we're back in the operating room and this woman is all like bandaged up but Mm -hmm. they're like not really bandages they're like lacy like yeah it's weird. And the outfit she's in is kind of like really tight and She's strange. got like a bodysuit thing yeah, on. Yeah. It's weird. They I have in my notes. Paper mache on her face. Yeah. <laughs> I have in my notes uh, like later when she wakes up or whatever. Like she looks like Woody Allen in the movie Sleeper. Yeah. <laughs> like he's got this like crazy yeah. silver bodysuit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's ridiculous. Watch that movie. Uh, anyway, she's doing like a French impression. She's like, my name is Lisa Mion. I was Lisa born in Mion. Paris. Yeah. 1964. Uh, she's being aggressively quizzed on these details. And all these scenes where Horton is, like, coaching her and stuff, he has his trench coat on. That's right. And I was like, he's like a cartoon character. Like, he's always wearing his <laughs> trench coat. Like, they're indoors. It's probably hot. And he has his trench coat on. We missed one even more puzzling thing about that interaction with the priest. When he leaves, the priest is like, are you a policeman? And he's like, oh, no, yeah, I'm an immortal. <laughs> yeah, that's the fuck is this? <laughs> that's really weird like, like that's not like a that's not a line Mac. yeah <laughs> that would a deeply confusing thing to say to another yep. human being 
I do have a lot of problems with like Horton's plan in general. Uh, but there's like kind of like they tried to explain it away in a bit of cut dialogue that's in mm-hmm. the script. So during this whole like training of Lisa Mignon, he he explains he's like we've thrown men at McLeod, we've thrown guns. He always survives, but everybody has a weakness. You just have to find the right weapon. So anyway, it's weird that they cut that because I think that does kind of help explain like, hey, this just absurdly keep, just keep shooting, plan. keep yeah. keep shooting. <laughs> really, because like the shooting actually worked out pretty okay. Like remember that time you did shoot Mac and drop him into an elevator shaft? Yeah, that worked great. <laughs> so we're at an Aston Martin dealership. That's right. This is a big set piece for this episode. Yeah. This is like the only set piece for this episode. And the douchiest car dealer in the world <laughs> is there wearing shades indoors. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, Mac is explaining to Richie that he found bullet casings that, and yeah. like th- at this point i was like oh that's what he was picking up mm-hmm. in the street because i was like what is that like i don't know it didn't read well but he could tell they were like not blanks live or, or something yeah or blanks or no he's suspect i think he's suspecting that they were blanks because he couldn't find any bullet holes which also uh, like, well that's the thing it's like it's, where those bullet holes would be so far away it's like yeah i combed for blocks yeah <laughs> like and also in that scenario like firing in like a city like like you might never find those bullet holes like you know what i mean yeah ever yeah. Anyway, we find oh. out that Pete, uh, I guess also in Max's investigation of Pete's police report, finds out that he had no tattoos. In prison, right. Right. Yeah. I thought that was a cool little bit. Right. So it's like, yeah. well, what's this burn about then? Is, yeah. That means it's probably real. Like, he's telling the truth. Yeah. Like, in, in favor of Richie. Right. Like, they didn't burn something off. Mm. Mm. So Mac wants to find whoever bought a silver Aston Martin recently. Because he's thinking about buying one, too, and he's interested if it's worth it. Yeah. yeah. And Richie's thinking about buying a $400,000 Lamborghini. <laughs> but he forgot his wallet at home. <laughs> <laughs> the laughs. What's the car dealer's name? Oh, we'll find out in the next episode. <laughs> we find out. Yeah. The let's reco- let's the save that. Character. Stay tuned. Because yeah. <laughs> when they drop that, it's like, that's his name? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, like, of all the people to become recurring characters, <laughs> it's the fucking car dealer. <laughs> I, wish, I hope he's in future episodes. <laughs> <laughs> that's how they solve every mystery from now yeah. on. It's like, what car do they drive? And they're all new. Yeah. <laughs> they're all classic vintage cars so the shooter in, had a, was driving a model t ford yeah <laughs> which also there is one in the car there's like know? three of them yeah <laughs> back in the operating room this person is still in, this person is in bandages the entire episode yeah who is andy warhol right <laughs> who's kandinsky yeah. i don't know <laughs> yes you do <laughs> We've been and o- then, oh, the the answer <laughs> to we've been over Manet. <laughs> the answer to Manet. who is Kandinsky is an artist, and Corton <laughs> goes brilliant. <laughs> it's like you got it. Like I thought he was being sarcastic. I I thought he was being. For, do you think he's sarcastic? Yeah, he's like. I think that was him. Like fuck you. Be serious. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? A sword? <laughs> yeah, I think it's equal to that. <laughs> Madison Square Garden. <laughs> Who is Andy Warhol? That made me laugh because it's like Andy Warhol, like the most obvious artist. Like that's like arguably maybe one of the most famous artists of the 20th century. Yeah, she should know who that is. Yes. right. She should know who that is. Like no matter what, like, yeah. Kandinsky. That's getting there. That's like. <laughs> but Mac Mac tracks down the uh, the Mac track. <laughs> uh, so he so found the car yeah and then horton's like it's showtime right he says that right after somebody stopped me yeah <laughs> smoky yes uh, i like this little bit though they like go up the steps and mac is like on one side of the door and richie's still on the steps and then the goon opens the door so he like covers mac and richie's like oh it looks like it's just the four of us 
And then Mac like comes from behind and yeah. kung fu's these guys. Yeah, it's great. Also, I love the interaction they have right before this, where he's like, you know, Mac wants to go in alone, do the the Batman thing. He's like, oh, everyone who's immortal, raise your hand. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good bit of dialogue. Yeah, yeah. And it's like good to like reaffirm that their relationship is changing. Definitely, this is the beginning of like the solid Richie Mac relationship. Yeah, like, where we're moving kind of past. I think Richie is like a little kid. Like that's another thing. They're getting into it now. It's good. yeah. Richie dresses pretty slick in this episode. <laughs> I like noticed he's usually he's in like kind of frumpy like street clothes, and this one he had like a black shirt with a belt buckle and nice shoes, and nice jacket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Richie holds his own too in the fight. Like, yeah. As opposed to a lot of other episodes where Richie gets pounded mercilessly into like a table. Yeah. <laughs> mercilessly. Yeah. <laughs> I think Richie does a great job in this episode. Just, just Stan Kirsch, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a lot of opportunities in this two-parter to kind of strut his stuff, and I think he does really well. Yeah, mm-hmm. this might be the best Stan Kirsch we've seen, I think. Yeah. There's a lot to sink his teeth into, like emotional, like there's a range of stuff. Like he gets to be funny, there's like stakes for his character, and like, it's good. He's Kirshing it. Kirshing it. <laughs> um, so the circus. They go into yeah. this building, and it's this is where the operating room was, which is like this set is, or it's not, a, this location is awesome. It's yeah. It's this huge, like, cavernous room. Yeah. I it's don't, like all brick. Yeah. I don't know. It's nice. It's cool. And they find yeah. Pete. Pete there. Yeah, and he's been pounded mercilessly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Poor Pompadour Pete. So another, another box ticked in Richie's column. Yeah. Because Richie's like, does he have to take a bullet to, like, prove mm-hmm. that, like, he's on our side? Foreshadowing. Oh. Yes. <laughs> also, I'm bringing it back again. Just a lot of shit he's taken for ten thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. Like, like he's been beaten up multiple times. He's been shot. He got burned. Yeah, he has to wage this campaign of deception against these people for days at a time. This is especially because, like Pete, as we'll find out, like he is just like a street. Th- like he's just a common criminal. He does not hold the philosophical underpinnings that Horton. Like he's not like a watcher that is like no, no, no. This is like for a cause. He's willing to kill somebody for ten thousand dollars. Like, as we'll later find out. Yeah. Yeah, this is, like, a big job. You also have to participate in that prison heist. Like, yeah. This is a lot for 10 Gs. Or he's, like, threatening a woman he never met before. <laughs> like, yeah. Mac's still suspicious, though. He doesn't buy it. Because the blood isn't congealed or oh something? What if they just beat him up? Like, that's what I don't understand. Like, why couldn't they have just beaten him up? Like, before well, I think they... he also argues that they don't, like, leave their mistakes behind. Yeah. He also interrupted them. Yeah. Right. You also came there and beat them up. Yeah. So, you know, there's that. Maybe the argument is they would have just killed him at that point. Like, instead of leaving him behind, they just shoot him oh, and, yeah. and be like, oh, yeah. we're done. Like, so he can't. He's here. Get rid of him. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. I Does guess. it? I don't know. It's, again, not, like, the clearest cut answer. But, like, you saved... It's it's like he's blaming Pete for saving Pete. It's like, oh, well, we saved him, and if they were serious, we wouldn't have been able to save him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> now we get our intro, which is Horton's <laughs> speech about greatness. Oh, God. <laughs> this is insane. And Horton is just, like, a super narcissist. <laughs> Celebrating silence. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do something no one's ever done before. I'm going to kill one guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to kill one guy. It's so insipid. And, like, what is... He's like, I will remember it every day and relish it. I, I was getting flashbacks of uh, the films of Neil Breen with all these, like, bandage shots. I was like, yeah. this is weird. Yep. A lot of bandage acting. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like 
this this woman Lisa is just acting in bandages like the yeah. entire episode. I wonder who's actually in the bandages. Oh, do you think it's her, not her? I don't know. I, do you think I that's wonder. also why they didn't use like real medical bandages? Because it would be really uncomfortable for hours and hours. Probably because it is again just like this, like like sheer yeah. fabric. Probably imagine that's less comfortable. The sheer fabric. I bet it's like itchy polyester shit instead of like actual cotton bandages that are designed to be worn for long periods of time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I guess we and should mention they put Pete in a hotel. Yes. Yeah. Get him of out of the way to the hospital. And right. they, and Mac plants <laughs> yeah. him with some false information. Ah, they're right. Leave town tomorrow, but they're not. Mm. So back on the barge, Mac is listening to his favorite Sidney Bechet album. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I guess maybe he uh, borrowed a copy from uh, what was his name from Marcus. Marcus. From- yeah. <laughs> Marky Marcus. Uh, so it's this bizarre jazz terribleness, yep. which is in the scene because he gets up and turns the yeah. music down. <laughs> yeah, like, what is it with that, with like soprano sax and <laughs> it actually being in the episode? It's weird. Well, he's like, all right, it's no circus music. So <laughs> uh, Richie comes in and they argue about what Pete's role in this whole thing is. And Mac reveals his plan that he's given Pete false information and they're not actually going to leave. Because Mac thinks that since he told Pete that they were going to leave, that the attack is going to is imminent. Yeah. Because Horton's going to want to get them before he loses him again. I guess we should say Pete also told Mac and Richie that Horton was planning an attack on the barge. Right. Yes. It's like they were planning an attack or something. Which is maybe he's putting to use those uh, those plans he had last yeah. time with Xavier. Remember yeah. he had like blueprints yeah. of the barge, <laughs> barge, barge blueprints, barge prints. Large he's, got barge. The, he's got the barge blues. <laughs> that was the song. So he was <laughs> got this barge <laughs> blues. Uh, is that like the blue box blues? It's more like um, Charlie's blues. Singing the blues, green dress. <laughs> what was her name? Uh, not Rhonda. Oh, Helen. Helen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you want to get close to her say no more (laughs) (laughs) so you can (laughs) yes and then we get horton and pete meeting again and pete doesn't look beaten up anymore and Horton hands him a gun, and he's like, time to be the hero again. He right. uses that phrase multiple times on this episode, yeah. and I love it. He's like, when he, after he burns him, he's like, go be a hero. <laughs> yeah. Well, Pete thinks he's failed, like because I guess Pete doesn't know what the full plan is yeah. either. And he's like, oh, like I blew it. Like Mac doesn't trust me. Mm-hmm. And Horton's like, he was never supposed to trust you. And then he gives him this gun, and he's like, ah, the plan is all coming together. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think he's Divide giving him the conquer. gun? Does he think he's supposed to shoot Mac? I think he does. I think so, yeah. Sleep tight with Duncan tonight. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) All cotton, all comfy sleep shirt, styled with her dreams in mind. Be swept off off to sweet dreams in these gloriously comfortable, quality 100% cotton sleep shirts, each boldly adorned and knee-length. One size. Knee-length? (laughs) <laughs> there are options though i dream of duncan sleep shirt and sleep socks okay he's a dream so now take him to bed every night of the week yeah. or really comfy all cotton sleep shirt and extra cushy sleep socks combination lets anyone you're sleeping with know exactly where your heart lies oh, that's weird <laughs> Not recommended as tactful anniversary or honeymoon sleepwear. Duncan sleep shirt, scoop neck with screened roses and hearts framing a hot, flash-inducing image of Duncan. What? (laughs) That is 100% real. Did not change that 
at all. Hot flash inducing? Yup. Also, it's like this weird little shrine looking thing covered in roses and whatnot. And then there's a heart shaped image of Duncan in the middle of it. <laughs> Duncan Sleep Socks features Love Duncan screened in red. Above knee length. <laughs> oh, so you can so that you'll be fully covered. Oh yeah. Because you have the t-shirt that goes below your knees and, and then the socks, socks that go above, above your knees. There you go. And then there's also two variants. There's the <laughs> eyes there's the eyes for you sleep shirt, which is like a silhouette of Duncan's face, and it just says Duncan with a long squiggle that leads to a heart. And then there's a Duncan the Legend sleep shirt, and it just says Highlander with like a picture of Barbarian Duncan. <laughs> wow. This is like the most lecherous thing ever, right? Like, yeah. Who's this for? And the hot flash bit? That's weird. Like a hot flash. This is, is... for late, like middle aged ladies that are <laughs> that like... are tired of their marriage. And <laughs> but it says not a tactful anniversary gift. Not, rec- not a tactful gift ever. Not yeah. recommended as tactful anniversary sleepwear. Do you think anyone that was married or in a relationship ever bought that, or it was only single people that bought that? <laughs> uh... well, did your grandma buy it, Eamon? Because I feel like this was for her. Maybe. <laughs> Well, how much does this cost? Let's see. Oh yeah, the t-shirt first. I'll t-shirt. I'll say thirty-five dollars. Thirty-five dollars. It's below knee length. You know how much fabric that is? <laughs> how much one hundred percent cotton fabric that is? Come on. I'm gonna say twenty dollars. Ooh, Price is Right rules. It is twenty-four ninety-five. Oh wow. Actually, regardless of rules, Eamon still wins. <laughs> see, Eamon, you can win at things. Yay. How much do you think the socks are? That's that's the tricky one. Uh, yeah. Do they have any special Above features? They're above knee length. Do they have like the rubber soles? You know those like oh, yeah, yeah, bedtime yeah. socks that yeah. have like little grip grippies on the little bottom. Grip, little, little grippies. <laughs> uh, I'll say they're like eleven ninety nine. Fifteen dollars. Ooh, twelve ninety five. Yes. Wow. Ooh. Fought that one to a draw. Yeah. That's literally half the price of the shirt. Yeah. I have some math problems. The amount of fabric going into this, it's not add up. I have some math <laughs> problems. <laughs> little grippy. <laughs> Where, where are the groupies? Hey, sleep tight with Duncan tonight. Uh, what's <laughs> it, and these pictures are sexy, I'm assuming? I'm these the... pictures no, are sexy. They're, no. not, they're not sexy. One is just a picture of Duncan's face that you can barely see because it's kind of washed out. One is like a far out view of barbarian Duncan like <laughs> shrouded in smoke. And one is just a silhouette. I mean, my loins aren't on fire. I don't this know This looks you. like some two of these. I don't mind the one that's like the, the silhouette of Duncan. Like that's like a little more graphic. Like it looks like a lithography sort of thing. Yeah. That I don't mind. The other two look like they are from like a sad Etsy shop. Like, yeah. that, that you made them on MS Paint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All cotton, all comfy. That's very funny. <laughs> very good. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so we're at the barge. Mac and Richie are on a stakeout, mm-hmm. and they're waiting to see if uh, what happens. Pete pulls up. This is, I think, pretty a pretty good tension between Mac and Richie because yeah. Richie's argument is that if Pete isn't part of this whole thing. And there is an attack about to happen. We're just letting him walk into it unprotected and, un, you know, we didn't warn him or anything. Yeah. Yeah. And Mac is like, well, no, he is part of it and he's there to do the attack. Yeah. Right. Which also, what, what's Richie's theory as to why he's here? Yeah. Why, why does he come? Oh, that's because that's, he's supposed I'm, to be in the hotel and Mac and Richie are supposed to be out of town. Or so, as far as he thinks, they're gone. Like, why is he there? Yeah. I don't know. Just a thought. Also, side note. What happens to that gun? Because as we're about to find out, Richie and Mac, like, scuffle over this. Mac's like, trust me. Like, a car pulls up. Pompadour Pete's talking to the people inside. He's like, 
He's like, no, trust me. Like, just wait. Just wait. And they shoot Pete. Pete dead. <laughs> but then they don't find the gun. They don't look for the gun on him. And, hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you'd think that would come up in, like, a police search of the body. And Matt could maybe use that to his point. <laughs> uh, so I think the thing with the gun, I, if I'm remembering correctly, in the script, it's taken out. When Horton slides the gun to Pete and it's like, you got to be a hero. I want to say Pete remarks that the bullets are blanks as well. Oh. So I don't think he's giving him the gun to have him shoot anybody, but showing him, like, I'm going to shoot you with blanks. And... So I, th- I think that's what's going on here. I see. So, so I feel like somewhere in the script it's mentioned that there's a gun that has blanks. Like, So I think Pete's wise to what they've been doing. Because that's what they did the first time. I mean, they shot at him with blanks. But then how did he get the bullet hole? We're still not sure about that. Because that guy was an expert marksman. So Pete's dead. Yeah. <laughs> so, so goodbye, Pete. We hardly and... knew your dumb hair. Horton is like watching. Yeah, like, with a stack close. of library books. Yeah. <laughs> He's got like uh, so many books. That's yeah. his disguise. Yeah. And there's the tiger noise. <laughs> so we're in the hospital, and I guess Horton is talking about like Pete's mother is burying Pete today, and that she couldn't afford to fly him home. Also, like another very quick funeral. Like, I'm assuming this is the next day but all i could think about i was like i guess like duncan didn't want to pay for pete's funeral even though duncan was like kind of in tatters over like oh shit i fucked up like yeah uh, because he he paid for that other goon's funeral remember uh what was his name was his name tommy it was, yeah it was tommy in the Xavier- epi- is epitaph no 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 oh. no the, the in the episode uh with xavier st cloud the very first time we oh, seen oh him. yeah the, that oh, guy. No. oh no we're gonna be rich yeah. they looked up <laughs> that guy. That guy. He paid for that whole funeral. Not for Pete. Yeah. Well, I think this is in the next episode, though, the funeral. Right. That's true. Yeah. But so, I do yeah. want to say this is the most attended Highlander funeral we've yes. seen. Yeah. There's not just one person. Pete yeah. was loved, but Matt yeah. shows many. up late. <laughs> yeah. Lisa is ready. Lisa Mion. Lisa Mion. They so, start unwrapping her bandages. Oh, and we should mention Richie's pissed. Yeah. Oh, Richie's yeah. Livid at him. Yeah. He's like, he's dead because you just couldn't be wrong. Yeah. We Which didn't really is... get into that. Yeah. This this is a great wedge they drive between the characters. I think it's yeah set up pretty well. I like this. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't quite make total sense, but it it's good. Well, the payoff doesn't quite come. Yeah. But it's a it'll great... come. It'll come. <laughs> yes. Mac looks really distraught when Pete gets shot too. He's like over his body, like, uh, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> every every day I'm going to remember and relish it. Also, Horton says, whatever else I do in life will never equal this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a Horton, you piece of shit. Like, yeah. Also, you've got like a daughter. Yes. Yeah, the daughter thing is just like... She's gone. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's like, whatever. She'd be great to have, like, pop back up in a in an episode. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, let's... How about we uh, take a listen to uh, executive producer... Well, we Bill. didn't talk about oh, wait, the ending. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. There's a gun and you're jumping it. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about yeah the reveal. The reveal. They unwrap Lisa Mion, and who does she look like? Who? Tessa. Oh. Noel. Is that, is that Noel? Is that Tessa Noel? Tessa. Or That's right. Noel? Yeah. So I guess the first Noel. <laughs> <laughs> ah, sorry. She's, she's the second. Yeah, this she's is the, the second, second one. <laughs> they don't get a song. <laughs> yeah, no song. The subsequent Noels. <laughs> this is a no crazy. One sings about. <laughs> so uh, this so is crazy. <laughs> go on, anyway. Just this is nuts. <laughs> 
He had plastic surgery done to Lisa, so she looks exactly like Tess. Who knows? For reasons. We'll I want to really get into the plan in the, the next episode. Yeah. That's, I want to talk, really break this shit down. <laughs> the next step of my amazingly circuitous plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's it. And then we get a to be continued. Bum, yeah. bum. Dun, dun, dun. You're saying Keith. <laughs> oh, yeah. So do you guys want to hear from executive producer Bill Panzer? Now uh, that yeah. we know what the fuck happened in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's take a listen, guys. Well, contrary to all of the debate we had over the first two-part episode, the audience, you guys, seemed to like it. So we decided to try another one. And we thought this would be a time we'd always try to figure out a way to bring Tessa back. How could we bring Tessa back? Because she was so popular. It seemed like an eternity that she had been gone when it was really only four months or something like that. But we decided while she was fresh, we should bring her back. And what? it's amusing that Adrian's wife, Melani, played Tessa before her makeover. And you know, sometimes That's a makeover. <laughs> Extreme the makeover. It works yeah. so well. <laughs> the and the production screen. runs so smoothly. You know, there's really nothing really to, to elaborate on. The flashback looked terrific. And my only contribution was that originally when Adrian is shooting the rifle out of uh, the present, which is our transition into the past, instead of he was originally shooting a boar and they shot a boar. Now, a French boar is smaller than an American boar. The boar was about this big. That's about so a foot I said, showing. No, no. Let's make it a bear. Let's get a shot of a bear. It's more, it's the kind of thing that's really a fitting opponent for our hero. When he's got a gun? But now, what this spiraled down to was people who, every time somebody said boar, we had to revoice them saying bear. So if you ever wonder what contribution the executive producer makes to a smooth running episode, that was it. That's some hard-hitting stuff. And there you go, guys. The yeah. reasons you tune in yeah. Yeah. to this portion of the show sure. to find out that French boars are tiny. That is insane. Yeah. <laughs> that is one of the most insane. The amount of time you spent talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> also, what an amazing amount of work for something that dumb. Yeah. It's like they had to go recap dialogue for that. Like you had to go ADR it because you're like, oh, boar versus bear. Very good. Feet. Part one. Yeah. Hey, guys, you want to play a game? Sure. All right, Kyle, you've got a new game for us. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna bust out a game I used to play a lot uh, as a drinking game. Actually, we're gonna play a little three and five. The rules are very simple. I'm going to give you a general category. It'll be fairly broad. It's not designed to be all that tricky. And you have five seconds to name three examples that fit within that category. Ooh. So pretty straight ahead. So for example, if I said swords, you would have five seconds to say like katana, rapier, kopesh, or something to that effect. Anyway, you'll get one point for each one you manage to, to name. And if you manage to get all three, you will get two points for that third one. Ooh. So the maximum you can get per round, four points. Keith, you're going first. Oh boy. Oh boy. I'm very nervous about this. <clears throat> Starting off very light. Very nervous. <laughs> You've got five seconds to name me three episodes from the first season. Uh, the Gathering, Family Tree, uh, and Innocent Man. All right, you, you squeaked it in. That's four for Keith. Ooh. All right, Eamon. Same five. question? No. <laughs> <laughs> what planet is this? No. <laughs> Eamon, you've got five seconds to name me three guest stars. Joan Jett at Roger Daltrey, uh, uh, shit. Uh, and you are out of time. <laughs> Only two for Eamon. Damn it. All right. Things are about to get a little bit more difficult here. Keith, 
Mm-mm. Name me three immortals spared by Mac. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Zero. Keith gets zero <laughs> for that round. Wow. And I know the answers. Do you? Not in five I do. It's despite not all five evidence of the contract. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> See, the, the speed is what makes it. I hard. know. Your brain locks up. Speed two, cruise control. <laughs> all right. Eamon, this is your chance to bring to make it out. this a real competition. Mm. Name me three friends that Mac has fought. Oh, um. Sh- Kim Sum. Uh, 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 damn it. That is five seconds. Kim Sum would have also been an acceptable answer for yeah. a mortal spared by Mac. But damn it. You're just asleep behind the wheel. <laughs> Keep still beating me. <laughs> All right. The current lay of the land. It is three to four. Heat, it's your chance to blow this thing wide open. Name me three watchers. Uh, Pete, uh, Joe, Mythos? Does that count? <laughs> uh, I'm not giving you Pete. Wasn't Pete? Pete's not a watcher. No, no, no. Pete, uh, he got murdered. Uh, he had the files. He fell out of the closet. Wasn't that Pete? No, that was, that was Josh. Josh! Yeah, was Josh. Oh, Josh! <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Josh! It was Josh. Uh, Jerry! <laughs> Mythos right. counts as a watcher? Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'll give you that one. All right. I'll give you that one. Eamon. Mm. Name me three people. Killed by the Kurgan. Castagir. Shit. (laughs) Uh, Ramirez. (laughs) I'll give you Ramirez, but that was a generous five seconds. (laughs) Man, I... (laughs) Yeah, you guys are bad. I'm I'm just kidding. Also, on on the Kurgan one, who's the third? That's the guy in Jersey, right? What's his name? Jersey Boys. Jersey Boys. (laughs) I'm sure he has a name in, like, the, you know, dumb... Mm -hmm. Extended duty, you know, all that stuff. We talked about it. We Connor. did. Yeah. Connor, technically. Uh, yeah, I guess he kind of does he, kill Connor. He yeah. totally kills Con- Connor. Yeah. He kills Cousin Dougal, doesn't he? Or no? No. Who does Not he Dougal. Kill? <laughs> oh, yeah, he kills one of those, though. Wait, yeah. does he? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Dougal. Cousin Dougal. Anyway, he give me three nicknames we've given people on the show. Oh, Batmac? Um, tough Guy. Uh, oh, Mr. Tough Guy. Oh, God. I'm stuck. <laughs> Damn it! Oh, only one point. Mr. Tough Guy. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Tough, Tough Guy. guy. <laughs> that, that never happened. I, all I could think of was Patron Saint of the Tough Guys. And I was like, Richie's uh, a tough senior. guy. But we have never referred to him as Mr. Mr. Tough Guy. <laughs> uh, uh, man, this is hard. It is hard. Well, it's pressure. Well, yeah, you're was, like, you should be doing better. Yeah, well, yeah do a better job. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Under pressure. All right, Eamon. Mm. Last chance to make it happen. Captain. Name me three Queen songs featured in Highlander. Princes of the Universe. It, I don't know the words of the songs. Who wants to live forever? That's not what the song is called, though. And uh, I don't know. Bring on the girls. No. New York, <laughs> New York. Also, it <laughs> is called Who Wants to Live Forever. Oh. <laughs> Bring on the girls. <laughs> <laughs> this is pathetic. <laughs> This was a good game, Kyle. I like this. It's a fun one. Keith, you got seven. Woohoo! Versus Eamon, you got six. Ooh, oh, so squeaked close. it out. Keith is the winner. Yay. Hey-oh, there can be only one winner. Me. 
And in this case, it's you. <laughs> this time. You came out big on that easy first season episodes one, and then really just dropped the ball in Immortal Saved by Mac. Really made it a competition. I'm still like, I gotta like go through every episode one by one. <laughs> you really just gotta methodically. Yeah, I guess Joan Jett, she's one. Joan Jett? Spared by Mac. You just mentioned Kim Sum. Mm hmm. There is, who else? Um, Gregor. There's. Oh, oh Gregor. Yeah, Gregor. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Ursa. There's Ursa. Mm-hmm. There yeah. are a lot. We're not playing around here. No. Mac's not playing to. a win. He's not taking those heads. No, nope. not taking those heads. Even <laughs> no. if like murderers like Ursa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Crazed giant. What was man. the IMDb description? It was offensive. It was like the simple like or it was like <laughs> simple Ursa or something. <laughs> I forget. Very good. Yeah. So, that's three and five. So yeah. guys, what do you think of this episode? I liked it. It's good. Horton's scheme, especially if you get into the second episode. Maybe it doesn't stand up to as much scrutiny as I'd like, but it's cool, and I like the idea of like finding a creative way to bring Tessa back. I think there's a lot to like here. Also, there's some great emotional content between Mac and Richie. Yeah, it's good. I I as well have problems with kind of the just the, the notion of this scheme in general is like a little far fetched and like overly complicated. But the result of it, like the driving the wedge between Mac and Richie, I think works really well. Like I actually think they set up the clues well. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, the burn, it's a watcher tattoo. Oh, I looked at the report, It's he never had a tattoo. Oh, but he's a criminal. And it's like, you know, there's a good back and forth. I think both of them have pretty decent cases to make why they don't trust him. I think, I don't know, I still think Mac's a little too distrustful of uh, Pete in the end. Despite the fact that he is, in fact, correct. Right. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think, like, that, that part of the scheme kind of works really well. And I like that it really sets Mac and Richie you know off like actually i feel like this this kind of sort of breakup if this was the sort of breakup they had midway through the season when richie took mako's head like this this feels more satisfying to me than richie got angry and upset and took somebody's head but right could have said Miko on that nicknames question ah oh, Miko. yeah there's so many good nicknames too i know we're great <laughs> <laughs> what was the new nickname you had today uh, Mac, 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 Track, Mac, Mac, Track, Mac, Track, and Pompadour Pete. Oh man, this episode alone, Charlie Brown. Yeah, you could have gotten through three of these things just in this episode. Eamon, what did you think of this episode? I liked it a lot. I like the wedge between Mac and Richie. I think that was the most interesting part of the episode. And yeah, it was written really well. Good stuff. Okay, everybody. Uh, why don't we take a look at the Watcher Chronicles for this episode? First one up is Lisa Hale. She is the uh, the nasty woman. <laughs> that phrase. Boy, oh boy. Also, we were wrong. He doesn't kill Cousin Dougal. Yeah. Oh. He doesn't. That was incorrect. Sorry, we said that a moment ago. Just that was false. Yeah. And so you can delete those tweets, guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you idiots. They'll be saying we're idiots for not getting all those other questions right, though. I just I mean, imagine are, but... the listeners <laughs> being angry. Like... It's the pressure. I don't perform oh, well under pressure. Under pressure. Lisa Hale. She uh, is the uh, criminal convict lady. Mm-hmm. She was born June 21st, 1967 67 <laughs> in San Diego. Uh, hers is just a bunch of bullet points. It's pretty good. Uh, convicted murderer. Killed husband who was a psychiatrist, escaped from prison in 1994, aided by former watcher James Horton, a.k.a. Lisa Mignon. Altered via plastic surgery to be an exact double of Tessa Noel, Duncan McLeod's deceased lover. Seduced Duncan McLeod, drawing him into an unsuccessful trap. And then, oops, spoiler alert. Spoilers! I know, hold on, people. <laughs> let's not read the rest of hers. Charlie Brown's got a... Ooh. Nice. Yeah. Charles Browning. He was born in 1335 in York. 
Uh, his first death was in 1381. Uh, he was protesting unfair poll taxes in a peasant's uprising. That's mm-hmm. like a good guy thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, he does save Mac from the kind of, you know, shitty sheriff. And what kind of taxes? Poll taxes. Poll taxes. Is she a tax to vote? What are they voting on? I don't know. I think it's a tax like, for any polls you might have. Yeah. Like a poll to hold up something. Like or... if you got like a flagpole. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's hey, it. you got a flagpole, that's a that's a shilling. <laughs> it's like uh it's like uh, in the movie Popeye, you know, there's the tax for everything. Mm. Do you guys remember that? We're going for some deep cuts here on the Robert Popeye Altman's movie. Popeye. Yeah, Robert Altman's Popeye. I love that movie, by the way. I've never seen it. Oh, it's good. I think it's good. Uh, it, the ending's yeah. a little clunky. Mm. Good world building. Robin Williams. Weren't we talking about him earlier? Or was that off? Off. I think pod? that was off. Off cast. Uh, okay. We were just naming Robin Williams <laughs> in a circle. Keith, that's our turn. next game. Five, three Robin Williams movies in five seconds. Go. Patch Adams, Bicentennial Man, Good Morning Vietnam. Oh, wow. God, you actually managed to do one. Yeah. Well, we almost practiced earlier. That's then, true. Uh, Bicentennial Man was <laughs> in there. Bicentennial Man. Yikes. It's my favorite. Anyway. Zeist. Uh, so he's killed in 1730 by Duncan McLeod. So there's oh, our confirmation. Oh, yeah. yeah. There we go. Uh, so in his later immortality, Browning was roaming the countryside in search of a good fight and a good quickening. Good old fashioned quickening. But this buttress but you okay there buddy? it's really hard to read browning a yorkshire native to tap out <laughs> <laughs> browning a yorkshire native was a farmer married many times he fostered children from parish orphanages oh really that's an option that no one else in this show ever seems to think about yeah god adoption adoption yeah. good job charlie brown yeah what happened to those children after Charlie Brown got his head cut off. That that's a, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it is said he was the father to over 100 children. Though farmer by nature, he was eagerly... He, oh, <laughs> <laughs> though farmer by nature, he always eagerly answered the king's calls to arms, fighting in England, France, and the Dutch countries, but always returning to his family when duty was done. When civil war came to England, Browning sided with the king. After defeat at the Yorkshire Battle of Marston Moor, he returned to find his wife murdered by a troop of royalists and two of his sons killed defending her. Outraged, he channeled grief into joining Cromwell, slaughtering royalists with great abandon. With the monarchy overthrown, Browning felt he'd exacted some measure of revenge. When it was... When it was... When it was restored, little more than a decade later... later, When it was restored, more... Jesus Christ! (laughs) <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> yeah, reading ain't easy, easy but it's necessary. <laughs> when it was restored, little more than a decade later, he felt betrayed by everything he believed and fought for. He stopped caring for anything or anyone, taking to the road in search of others of his kind. Ooh. I don't know. He sounded like a pretty good guy and then kind of went off the rails at the end there. Yeah. <laughs> he just kind of lost, lost sight of things a little bit. So... Is Mac the Great Pumpkin? It's The Gathering, Charlie Brown. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. All right. So, guys, wrapping up. Kyle, how many stuffed carnival bears would you give this episode? One to five. I give this a solid three and a half carnival bears. You know what? Four carnival bears. One more carnival bear than Richie Ryan had. (laughs) (laughs) Eamon, how many silver Aston Martins would you give this? I'd say four. Very good. And I will give it, out of one to five offensive uses of the word fruitcake, (laughs) uh, I will give it four offensive uses of the word fruitcake. I think this is a solid solid offering. So, good good stuff. stuff. Make sure to stay tuned next week because we got part two coming your way. The hits keep on trucking. It's going to be awesome. So, hang on to your butts. And while you're at it, you should follow us on Facebook. Like us on Twitter. 
do all that shit. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. We will see you next week. We've been your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Landon. Bye. See you. Bye. Do you want to pay money for a free podcast? Do I ever? Do you know how you can make that happen? How? You can go to our GoFundMe page. You can take your hard-earned dollars and turn them into Highlander experiences. Why should I do that? I already get the podcast for free. Because you shouldn't be a freeloading piece of shit. Go give us your money. (laughs) I'm just kidding. We love anyone who listens to our podcast. But we love the people that gave us a lot of money. Even more. more. Got that Andrew Andrew K money up in here. (laughs) Andrew K money. Oh, it's 200 dineros. Is that as good as $200? How's it compared to 200 clams? There's a lot of the seafood conversion on. <laughs> the seafood to dollar conversion. Seafood. Yeah. If, well, I guess if you're at like a buck a shuck oyster night, it's like exactly the same. It's exactly the same, yeah. So, <laughs> so if you head on over to your local bar for happy hour, you can you can use this $200 for 200 clams. For 200 clams or oysters. Or other bivalve of your choice. Good God. <laughs> That was a weird bit. Yep. You missed all the good stuff. Yeah. We were talking about clams. (laughs)